What makes people ungodly? What makes them unrighteous? He says right here, of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. My dear listeners, this is Joe Durso, and this is That They Might Know, a podcast dedicated to the proposition that all the Bible is true, and every word of it is correct and infallible. And we, in this episode, will be the first an introductory episode into the letter to the, into the Romans, and we will be looking at uh, Romans as the one book in the New Testament that absolutely defines the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do hope that you will be thoroughly blessed by the things that you hear in this lesson, and may God bless you with this truth in the depths of your soul. Without any further ado, let's get started. This is episode one of what I am calling the Revelation of Romans, according to the Apostle Paul, the Gospel of Repentance and Holiness. Repentance, of course, is turning in a different direction. It's doing a 180. And so that's where this gospel will begin. But first, there's uh, the opening lines from this apostle that says, Paul a slave of Christ Jesus called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who is declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. So we can see right from the outstart uh, of this letter, that the apostle is a slave, an apostle is one sent forth to proclaim the truth. Now he says these things as he mentions that they were promised beforehand. So before we get to the book of Romans, naturally there's the birth of Christ, there's the life of Christ, there's the acts of the apostles, fit into the Acts of the Apostles, which is the story of the church that began after Christ was ascended to heaven. Before all of that, there is the history of the world, beginning in Genesis, where the Bible begins, where the Gospel begins, where the story begins, and it's outlined through a people called out from the world, which we know as the nation of Israel. And this promise the Apostle brings forth in Romans chapter 1 when he says it was promised beforehand through the prophets, his prophets, in the Holy Scriptures, written down, penned, carried on throughout the ages concerning his Son, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born as a descendant of David. David, the, the second king, the king of Israel, Israel in the forefront as David, as as uh, excuse me, as Paul tells the story, 
who is declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So at the outside of this great book, the book of Romans, he starts with the power by the resurrection from the dead. So there's death is now entered into his opening statements, a resurrection from the dead, and he's going to go into the reason why there's death. Everything is explained in the book of Romans. I'm just laying out his opening words and how he's going back in history before he really begins what he wants to explain about repentance and holiness within the gospel. And so we have the book of Romans as a nutshell, if you will, the Bible in a nutshell. When I was a young boy and learning in grammar school, they had at the end of each chapter, what was called a nutshell. It was the conclusion of the chapter. It was a summary. Just You take the whole chapter, you put it into a few short paragraphs, and that's the whole idea behind that chapter. Well, in the book, in the Bible, that's what we have in the book of Romans. We have a summary, if you will, of the whole entire meaning behind the Bible in the book of Romans. If, if you don't get down the book of Romans, which it contains the, all the main doctrines that pull all the pieces of Scripture, the ideas behind it together. If you don't get this, you're really lacking something that's absolutely necessary to properly discern the Scriptures. Having said all of that, he, he just finishes laying this out about the power of the resurrection, from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. So he's now tied together death, resurrection, and holiness in his opening statements, which are all prophetic from thousands of years prior to the creation of all things in the world. He's tied, now tied us all in as a promise, as the word of God, as the completed word of God, is coming to light in the age of the apostles where God's statement of what is true is right here in what we call now today the completed word of God, the Bible. Now to continue to bring this to light, he has some opening remarks about his, his own faith, his love for the, the church at Rome to whom this letter was written to these people. And then he goes on and he, he, he wraps up those open, opening statements. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Declaring right here what his intention is. And his intention is to, to preach the gospel. Now that brings us to one very, very important word that's set before us. And that is the word, the gospel. Now, many people understand, oh, it's the good news. One time I remember sharing with a guy from work, and uh, I asked him, you know, what's the gospel? Now, this is a preacher's kid. This is someone who sat under his own father in church for, you know, when I saw him, I was late 20s. And I asked him what the gospel was. And 20 minutes later, I, I had not gotten an answer, a clear, any kind of really an answer of what the gospel was. So it's, yes, it is very important to understand intellectually with the gospel. I would just want everyone to understand who's hearing this, that
that it's possible to sit in church and not be able to articulate the gospel. If you're a Christian, if you have professed to be a Christian, if you grew up, brought up in church for umpteen years, I'm asking you now, what is the gospel? Can you articulate the gospel? Could you share the gospel with other people by clearly telling what it is? And that's what we want to do in this study. We want to cl cl understand as best that we can what the, what the gospel is, not just by a definition of a word, that the word means good news. Okay, what is the good news? Now, when he says he's eager to preach the gospel, now he's leading into the exact, uh, an exactness of the gospel, just the beginning, and he lays that in verses 16 and 17 from chapter 1. And there, there the apostle says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So before going any further, he's going to lay out, he's going to state very clearly right here, that number one, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Now, why would he say such a thing? Remember now, he's not speaking to Jewish people. He's speaking to those at Rome. He's speaking to the church at Rome. And while there undoubtedly were Jewish believers in Rome, at the same exact time, those who brought the gospel already to Rome, uh, he is speaking to a church that is now being made up of Gentile believers. Paul, as anyone who knows from the book of Acts, was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He was a religious leader who was, in the beginning of his life, profoundly Jewish. He would have nothing to do with anyone other than those who were Jewish, because that was his belief. However, in the course of time, having come to a saving knowledge of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, he understands the petty prejudices and uh, of that that kind of nature are just base, sinful acts and belief, and they affect all of humanity. Don't want to take the time to go into that, although we will in the future. But right here, he's stating he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Every tongue, every nation is represented in the book of Revelation. All peoples from every tribe are represented there. God saves men not according to any superficial understanding. God, who views the heart, saves men from every people. Now that brings us to a very, very important truth that we want to look at. And that is that as he brings this, to every people, all that means to every person, every tribe, every tongue, every nation are in need of the gospel. That's no small fact. And so he's, uh, he wants to bring this to all people uh, because he says it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek and the Greek is the Gentiles, and the Gentiles comprise every tongue and every nation. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Another key phrase that Paul wants us to understand at the outset as he declares the gospel of God, 
that uh, the gospel is the righteousness of God. That's what uh, God does that's right, which is everything. God does everything right, and man accuses God of doing everything wrong. That's the way it's all set up. It's set up against God because of the condition of men's hearts, which he'll be elaborating right from the beginning of these opening pages in this letter to the, to Rome, to the Roman church. Then he adds another element, which the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. Now, faith is mentioned from faith to faith, but the righteous shall live by faith. And it's to everyone who believes four times in two verses. He's talking about this element of faith. This uh, element of taking God at his word that what he says is true. Now, that's that's different the way uh, that most of us, all of us, begin out our lives. We, we begin our lives by listening to our parents. Let's, let's think this through. Or whoever raises us, people around us, whatever the situation of a person, you start from a little child, you begin to learn, you begin to grasp some idea of what life is about. The older you get, the more you learn, and you learn and you take the words of men. And you have passed on some from religious men, some from completely pagan and heathen men, some from men of high religious morals, uh, but they all have one thing in common, and we're going to go into this right now, and that is no faith in the one true and living God. So as he crouches this gospel in this context, right to begin with, it has to do with faith. From faith to faith. Everyone who believes includes Jew first. Why first? Because the Jew received the gospel first. He, he was given um, the, the, the sacrifices. He was given the traditional system of the lamb, which was a foretelling of Christ who would give himself as the lamb of the world and the lamb of God to the world. He would, it would be a foretaste uh, of the law he would be given. He would be given all the prophets who would prophesy the truth to them for centuries, putting together all this history, all this truth, which was poured out on the nation of Israel, through whom also came the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So the Jew is used, particularly chosen by God, not because there's anything special in them, as it tells us in the book of Deuteronomy. Didn't choose you because you were greater or more in number than the rest of the nations. In fact, you are actually the least. Another, another topic we'll, we'll save for another day. I'm just laying that out before you because it's important to understand the Bible in context. I don't want to run down a lot of rabbit trails because right now in this opening introduction, I just want to hit the main point to get this book rolling in the, in the right direction, if you will. So he then goes on to verse 18, having stated that we need to take God at his word. The gospel is uh, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There's, it's the power of God. But without the element of faith tucked in there, the, the one who actually believes or takes God at his word, it's ineffectual. It's only effectual through faith. And faith 
is actually connected with this act of repentance, which we'll explain as the, the, but we further get into the book. Now, let's go on to verse 18, which says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Big paragraph. Why is it a big paragraph? Because we live in a world where people are taught that they're, they're good. And in fact, the world is about being good. And when a person does something wrong, a person justifies themselves, rationalizes in their own mind. Well, I didn't, you know, it's really not me. I mean, I did this because of, you see, and because there's a conscience. And the scriptures goes into the conscience. He goes into it right here in this first chapter of Romans. Because men have a conscience. You have to deal with a conscience. Well, he's just dealing with life and reality. The reality of life. Where we live it. Now, if you want to know the truth, you want to know the truth where you live. So he's saying that God's angry right from the beginning. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Against all ungodliness, why? And unrighteousness. What makes people ungodly? What makes them unrighteous? He says right here. Of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So they're suppressing, they're putting the truth in the back of the drawer. You know, they're, they're digging a little hole, sticking it in there, burying it. They're suppressing it in the, in the bottom of their heart because they don't want to think about it because they want to know something else. This is right at the heart of the gospel. This isn't a hallmark card telling people how, how good we all are and we just want what's good and we just want what's right and, and there's a goodness in men and if it comes from your heart, you know, like we're told in the Karate Kid, you know, if it comes down from within you, it's always right, you know, because see, people are basically good. No, uh, Paul is contradicting all the natural way that we look at life, the way we, we look at men, the way we look at ourselves and he's saying no. No, that's, that's not the gospel that I'm preaching to you. And I'm not even ashamed of this. What he's saying is, God's angry. He reveals it from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness that goes on all this stuff that's just wrong. And it begins with the fact that men suppress the truth in unrighteousness, in unrighteous deals, in doing things wrong. They suppress the truth. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. What does that mean? Well, that means within the conscience, the mind, and the heart of men that God made, there's the ability to reason. And the reasoning tells people that there is a God. It's evident. It's, uh, we talk about things that are self-evident, you know, in the American Constitution, it's, there's, there's, there's things that are, you, you just know them. How do you know it? Well, it's actually planted there by God. And evil men have to actually suppress that knowledge. They have to change it, rationalize it, justify it. And that's what makes them unrighteous. And he goes on in verse 20 and says, For since the creation, let's go all the way back, all the way back to the first Adam and Eve, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, so there are things that you don't see with the senses, not with the eyes, you can't hear them with your ears, you can't touch this thing. Their invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature 
have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Well, what's he talking about? What's all this invisible stuff and that you, you see it clearly? How do you see clearly what you can't see because it's invisible? Well, you don't, you don't see what you know in your mind's eye, what you know in your heart. You know what you have this conviction about. What is it that we have a conviction about? Well, every child will say, Daddy, wh where did everything come from? Well, that's a great question. When you look at a house, this is really simple stuff. What is the first thing you think? Well, who built that? Well, that's a gorgeous house. Who built that? Well, some architect, some man, some person who had either the abilities to put it together or had the ability to make the money to pay someone to put it together. The thought is there's thought that went into putting this together. You see a rock? It's a rock. You know, you see a river flowing down the mountain. No man made that. Where did that come from? It's the same reasoning process. Well, if it's there, where did it come from? Only in the scientific age of highly enlightened individuals would we stop and say a big bang. A big, a big bang. Because we look at the, the stars and we study astronomy uh, and, and we understand that everything is expanding and because of that it had a start in a very small and it exploded. That doesn't explain anything. All that shows is the universe is expanding. Great. Now you hypothesize how it all began and because we don't want to believe in God, we then understand, we make up now the illusion, we suppress the truth, and we say there was a big bang. Well, what caused the bang? Well, where, where did the power for the explosion, where did that come from? Where did the laws of nature, we call, you know, where did the laws of entropy and uh, first and second laws of thermodynamics and on and on, all of those laws, gravity, what control, all of those things, where did they come from? All the preciseness of this universe within which we live. Where did, where did all of that, how did it arise? What put those, who put those laws? They just, they just exploded into the universe. The laws themselves exploded. Uh, the specificity of, of all things. Like you look at the clouds. You will never look at the clouds and see written in the clouds the Constitution of the United States, word for word. You know, the, the, those things are just not going to make letters. Why? Nature, natural things don't happen in an orderly fashion. The genetic makeup of a human being with its trillion cells, you know, a, or a matter of data that comprises the knowledge make a person into a person, all, all of that, without going into all that scientific knowledge, where did all of that knowledge come from? Where did the ideas come from? Well, you add enough time. You can't add enough time. It's, it's suppressing the truth, just clearly, without any argument that really should be waged against this. It's just a way of setting God aside. It's a way of saying God doesn't exist. We don't want him to exist. Why? Well, because we don't want to be held accountable for the things that we do. We don't want to be held accountable for what we think. We don't want to be held accountable to some law from a God that we can't see. Even though 
We have to suppress the conscience. We have suppressed the ideas. And in years past, you know, man was content to cut down a tree, carve it into an idol, worship the idol, and say this idol is God. Why? Because if you do it that way, then you can make the idol into what you want, and you can live the way you want. You just call it your God, and then you make the God into what you want so that you can live the way that you want to live. It's just really simple. This is just much more complicated because, you see, over the millennia, God continued to reveal who he was, first to the Jew through the law, which the law wasn't able to save man, uh, but there, uh, there was his rules, his, his laws were set out, was set up so that man could see and understand them. Then came Christ, and then came further revelation, and with that revelation came the church, and on and, and more clarity and more clarity and more clarity, and man had to become more clever with a little help from the devil to actually rationalize all this away, which brings us to where we are today in 2020, the, uh, the, the year of vision, uh, so to speak. We have 2020 vision uh, in which man has declined to this place where God doesn't exist, and it's just science. And what pulled it all together, what made it all happen? Well, God, in, in the person of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, declared to the Apostle Paul to write these words, making him say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So the choice comes to us today very simply. Do we believe, as men have been taught in centuries past, mostly through an apostate church, uh, cults and isms and, and sects that call themselves Christian, but aren't really proclaiming the true gospel, which says that men suppress the truth in a lie. Men suppress the truth in unrighteousness and in, in, in evil thinking by doing away with God or using the scriptures as a means of still teaching that men are basically good and all you have to do is what the Bible says and then you get to heaven. I mean, there's different ways of getting off track from the gospel. You can either do it by trying to be good or just eliminate it, just suppress the truth. In one way or another, all of this is a suppression of the truth. If we're not looking at man as evil and needing a savior, you're suppressing the truth. If, if, we, if we're doing away with God completely and saying there is no God, you're suppressing the truth and we're living in not in the truth but in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal powers, divine nature which means God has always been. When Moses stood before God at the burning bush and said to him, you know, when I, you want to send me to Israel, and Israel is going to say, like, who is this God that's sending you to you? You know, who's this God who's sending you to us? What's his name? And God said, I am. And Moses fell on his face. I am. I am that I am. Now, he's not saying I am like we say I am. 
we have a beginning of life. We understood that we were once children. We, we had to grow up. We had to become knowledgeable. We had to work at learning. We had to go through life from nothing. And uh, we get the concept, even though we really can't remember before we were born, but we know we were born, and now we can say, I am. No, God isn't saying that. God is saying, I am, that I am. He always was. He's before time. He's outside of creation. He's bigger than all of that. Now we're talking about a different being, unlike and separate from his creation, which brings us back to the word holy. Holy in the Old Testament is the word quadesh. It's the set apart. God is set apart by who he is. He is holy. I mean, he's truly holy. He's unlike all the rest of creation. He's not like the angels. He's certainly not like the demons. He's not like fallen man who has fallen into sin. A man who suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. No, God is different than all of that. God has no beginning. What makes sense of where everything came from? Where did everything come from? It became from an eternal being. It's the only thing that makes sense. And it's biblical. So when we begin to understand that reality, that truth, the gospel begins right there in Genesis 1.1. For in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What beginning? The beginning of the heaven and the earth. Not God's beginning. God always was. He's the I am that I am. I can't understand that. I can't explain it to you. I can't explain it to anybody. I can't explain it to myself. I just believe it. And that's a gift from God. For by grace we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no boasting because we're all fallen. We'll get into that in, in the near future. In this beginning lesson, I want us to understand that was forecast in the prophets, what was told in the prophets, what is exemplified in Israel as it's been sent out into, in, into oppression for 2,000 years because of rejecting the Savior. All mankind has done throughout all the ages. That's where man begins, by suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, in lies, in rationalizing, because we have a conscience and it tells us of things that are actually true and we want to deny it because we want our own way. That brings us to the gospel, a gospel of holiness, a gospel that separates God from us. And he tells the story of who we are in light of who God is. 66 books throughout the Bible that make up the Bible, 66 books of self-revelation by God of who he is and how he explains himself to us and what is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to take this first opening lesson that will bring us further next week, next time I make a podcast that will explain further where man goes in the end of this Romans chapter 1. And it's not a good place. He goes from bad to worse. And that's the direction man's headed, and that's the way we want to turn away from. We want to repent from who we are. And the only way to do that is to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world for the answer. If you want to get ahead of me, if you don't know it already, if you do know it, and you want to renew this, just read through the book of Romans chapter 1, or read through the whole book. Get prepared for what these podcasts, because this way I'm going to be talking about uh, Romans for this purpose. 
to understand the gospel from the light of repentance and holiness. That's what, the, that's what these chapters are about. What is holiness? What does holiness look like? How does a, a person eventually exemplify holiness in his life, in his, with his words, with his actions? What is holiness? That's the description that's going to be laid out here in these chapters. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that your truth is beyond our own imagination, our ability to comprehend. But there is what is here, what we can know to be true. You've declared things and you, by your spirit, can make them clear to those of us who uh, receive the gift of saving faith. Lord, if anyone's listening to this who desires to have saving faith, just I ask that you would pray as they pray to you and open their hearts to say, Lord, give me this saving faith so that I might know the truth and I might escape this ability to suppress the truth in unrighteousness and condemn myself to an eternity of punishment. Lord, place that on the Lord Jesus Christ for their sakes and then give them eyes to see with and ears to hear with and they might know who is the one true and living God. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you.